Hello and welcome to Well Well. This is Jarrell. I'm Rachel. Thank you again for joining us. We have a guest that we're really excited to talk to. Um, so let me just introduce you all to Zachary Zane, who is a freelance writer. And we're going to talk a lot about sex positivity and inclusivity of the LGBTQ community and all kinds of fun stuff about what it's like to write about this topic and a really great campaign that he mm-hmm. started. So I'm really excited. Um, Zachary, welcome. Hi, super excited to be here. So why don't we just jump right in? How did you first, so let's say, got to even go back until way before, <laughs> before you became a writer, where did you first discover this idea of sex positivity? What got you interested in it? All of that, give us the backstory. That's so interesting. Like, where did you, I, I can't pick <laughs> a specific time where I was like, oh, like, this is what sex positivity means. Um, but uh, I was very lucky, I think, to grow up in a very sex positive family. Mm. Uh, in general, I grew up in Los Angeles among kind of these very liberal, open-minded Jews. Um, if, you, if you've seen like Grace and Frankie, my mom's can kind of be like Lily Tomlin at times. Uh, Love it. Love it. So, like, sex positivity was something I absolutely grew up with. <laughs> um, both my mom's brother and my dad's brother are gay. So just having also a strong LGBTQ presence and also seeing older uh, queer people who are actually in these long, loving relationships actually have these role models in a way that a lot of other people didn't get to have. Um, but in terms of being sex positive, I'm trying to think, but like, it was one of those things where... Uh, I enjoyed it and I loved it and, uh, and I wanted to talk about it. I was fascinated by that. So I kept talking about it and in doing so it's almost like I became sex positive in this sense. But um, in terms of, you know, having certain shames, you know, that we're all kind of brought up with, whether it's, you know, religious shame or cultural shame or being like, you know, you shouldn't do this. Right. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think how I overcame it. I, I think it was just one of those things where I was doing it so often and I loved it. And then you would talk to people about it and seeing yeah. how excited that they were about it. And these other people also had shame. And I think it was maybe these one-on-one conversations that I just had because I'm just a talker. I like talking about everything. You know, that's why I became a writer. Um, but when you talk and have these conversations one-on-one, and being like, oh, everyone kind of loves this. Everyone has questions about this. Everyone wants, mm-hmm. everyone actually wants to be sex positive in a sense, you know. Yeah. Um, but I was able to fully, fully embrace it. Right. Yeah, which is pretty amazing considering, like you said, you grew up in a very liberal family. Which it's funny that you use the qualifier because I think that's not most people's experience. Mm-hmm. And I would say most people probably can remember their childhood and think, yeah, no, we never talked about sex. That wasn't even a thing I'd even consider talking about with my family or being open about with my family. It's, I, I really am privileged in that sense that we were so openly talking about it. My friends would be over and we would talk about it with them in front of my parents. <laughs> and they were just like, you'd see their head exploding. Right. Not <laughs> knowing exactly like how to respond or what to behave. I think it's also, um, I was the third child, and by the time you got to the third, our third boy, I guess, and by the time you get to the third one, you just kind of like, whatever, say whatever the fuck you, am I allowed to curse? Sorry, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, say whatever the fuck you want. You know what I mean? Like, I don't right. think it was open with that. You know, I was allowed to have my girlfriend sleep over at 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember even my brother's 
like being like, you know, in college, they'd have these long-term girlfriends and they'd be like, you guys can't sleep in the same room. So mm-hmm. it's got to me, they were a little more open-minded. They were a little chill. They already had two, you know, sons that were killing it. So if the third one messed up, you know what, two out of three ain't bad, but like. <laughs> good, good average. Yeah, but, but by the time they got to me, they were a lot more lax. So I think that also plays a large uh, role for sure. Yeah, and it's, it's really interesting because you talk about how, like, even if, even before the term, like, sex positivity. Because that's a good term, really. Right. right. The way that we use it, I think, is absolutely right. Yeah, and I, and I think even just hearing about your experience in your family, what's interesting is to think about it in terms of even just having conversations openly is being sex positive because things live you know, shame lives in secrecy and quiet, right? And in silence. And so just having conversations in which you could talk about these ideas, these actions, these, you know, the pleasure, all of that, I think is one way to, I think for everyone to really embrace sex positivity is just to have conversation about it. And just to, just to normalize it. Yeah. You don't even think like normalizing shouldn't be equivalent with sex positivity, but that's kind of right. advocating for it. Right. Like it should be normal to talk about this is healthy. This is what humans do. This is how the world goes on. This is how you make kids, you know, like just, just, yeah, making it easy for everyone to just discuss it openly. Yeah. And- yeah, definitely. And I, and I even wonder as we're recording this, how many people might even just feel a little twinge of discomfort listening to a conversation about this without headphones on, right? Like in the <laughs> living room and their roommates come home or their significant other comes home. I feel like it runs so deep that we're just never supposed to talk about it, even though a lot of us, most of us do it to some degree. Mm-hmm. But it's that idea of, you know, like you said, it's always buried it's shameful it's not a thing that people that it's out in the open but it actually makes no sense that that's the case do you know why i I just learned this recently 50 shades of gray was able to become as popular as it was Mm -hmm. um, was because kindles existed it kind of coincided with people that being popular so you were able to read it in the subway and people didn't know that you were reading it but if you had to actually buy the hardcover book that said 50 shades of gray and read it on the subway they called this a test uh it probably would not have been able to have uh, mainstream popularity. People were terrified, you know, to read it in public, but that's why they were able to do it because of things like Kindles. People didn't know what you were reading. Right. That makes a lot of sense. That's yeah. Most really people funny. that know who read it probably would not have read it if they had to display the cover for the exactly. word. <laughs> or they would have read it in the dark with a flashlight in their bedroom. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and and in full disclosure, I have not read the book. However, oh, I've read all three. You have okay. Absolutely. I read all trash. <laughs> <laughs> From what I've heard, I'm like, oh, it could there could be it could be better in terms of like accurate accurately representing kink positive. Oh, it's it's not great. It's not great for Okay. Me. Yeah, that's what I thought. But it is enjoyable as yes. all hell. And, okay. And I will stand by that. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think made this your focus? with your career obviously it's something that was always really open and talked about in your household but like you said there wasn't something that made this huge impact there was no life-changing decision where you were like yes this is where i'm going to dedicate my life to it seems or maybe there was how did you kind of work to make this the focus of what you do for a living um so what happened is when i started writing uh i started writing 
five-ish years ago, and there was very little being spoken about uh, bisexuality compared to now and very little about male bisexuality. Mm -hmm. So the first piece I wrote was for Exo Janes and Happened to Me Vertical, if you still remember kind of kind of that site. But I wrote this piece about I came out as bi and now I can't date anyone gay or straight. It was the first thing that I came out with um, that was published. And I spoke about just kind of receiving um, kind of this biphobia from both the gay and straight communities where, you know, women didn't want to date me. Also, gay men didn't want to date me because they didn't want to date someone um, who, you know, who in their mind, like, oh, this guy's actually gay. He's closeted. I want someone to his sexuality. And then all these... Um, straight women wouldn't date me because, you know, they feared that I also was secretly gay or more likely to cheat or I can't be monogamous or I'm confused and all these kind of negative stereotypes that um, are often associated with bisexuality. So I I wrote this piece kind of uh, as more as almost like a a frustration thing. I wanted to let, wanted to let kind of some (laughs) out and end up going viral. And then quickly I kind of leaned into that. I was getting opportunities, uh, to write and specifically about the LGBT community, but also LGBTQ community and also about bisexuality in particular. Mm-hmm. So for a while, I kind of was known and so am known somewhat as the bi guy mm-hmm. in a lot of spaces or settings. And yeah. so, uh, you know, dispelling stereotypes, accurately representing bi identity and all these things. And kind of through that, um, I also started writing more a lot about sex positivity. Mm-hmm. Um, the two I guess not inherently go hand in hand, but for me, they absolutely have been. So, you know, I didn't necessarily only want to write about male bisexuality, you know, forever for all bisexuality. Also, how many articles can you write? You know, how many times can you write? I'm just like, hey, this is not what it means to be bisexual. This is what it means to be bisexual. No, I'm not closeted. No, I'm not confused. No, I'm not going to cheat on you. And I really have written that article in one way or another, no joke, 500 times. so then, yeah, I just started branching out and kind of talking a lot more, you know, just openly about sex in general and whether that is, you know, queer or straight. And now I'm actually an editor at Men's Health and I do all their, or a lot of their sex and dating content uh, online, digitally. Um, and I also, you know, lean into my identity as a bisexual man being like, you know, the piece that I actually have to finish up today was about mutual masturbation and why you should do it with your partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I spoke like, you know, this is something that's actually very commonplace in the gay community. Right. Right. Uh, we, we do this all the time. You know, there's a lot of just practicality of just like, you know, someone's not prepped, uh, so you right. can't do sex. Or, you know, it, I think it's very, you know, you just sometimes can't really do it that easily. So therefore, we do this all the time. Yet, I've never done this with really any girlfriend. The only time we've done it, and this doesn't count, is, you know, I probably came too quickly. And she's like, well, I didn't come, so I'm going to masturbate. And that's not mutual masturbation. That's I fucked up. And therefore, <laughs> she's going to orgasm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I wouldn't just sit down and be like, that's the thing. So I spoke about, hey, this is actually a really cool thing that I've been doing with my male partners for forever. I think we should start doing it with female partners. So that is, you know, a way that my bisexuality kind of helps me write more openly about sex positivity. I also have this lens of having dated and slept with both you know, men and women and trans people and gender non-conforming people. And so that kind of allows me to have a little bit of a unique uh, perspective when discussing Mm -hmm. uh, sex and sex positivity topics. Yeah, and that visibility is really important because not only are you obviously sharing your experience that can help somebody who, for whatever reason, needs that voice, 
but you're also speaking from a place that, like you said, I think has been really stigmatized of being very open. And you, I think everyone's heard the stereotype that people who identify as bisexual are just, they're just kidding themselves, right? They're on their way to being gay and it's, it's fine. They'll get there eventually, but that's where they are. But obviously there are a lot of people who are like, no, that's not true. But hearing somebody speak and share their experiences so openly does more, I think, for people who then also are given the courage to say, hey, me too. So it's just the idea that you're willing to be so open is just amazing. And I can't even imagine how many people that that speaks to who otherwise didn't have that voice. It's crazy because I really struggled embracing my identity. I really thought I was gay. I went to Vassar College, which is a very queer friendly college, a very gay mm-hmm. school. For yeah. um, but everyone I knew who came out as bi, who was a man, came out as gay. Mm-hmm. Like, used it as that stepping stone. So I just did, did not think I was the one guy who was actually bi. You know, and there was when I would Google bi, bi men or whatever I went back 10 years ago. Everything that came up had to do with HIV or STIs. It was all these studies. There, there wasn't like me talking about a bisexual identity the way that we did now. Right. There groups, or there probably were groups on Reddit actually. And I wish this is one advice I always give people regardless of their age. But if they're, you know, queer, question, confused, I'm like, there are so many, like, like online sources and groups yeah. that you can be a part of that you can ask questions to and really become active in this virtual space. And because of that, you'll be able to make friends, have a community, and you can do that no matter where you live. You know, yeah. obviously easier to meet queer people, especially bi people in Portland. I feel like everyone in Portland is bi, and they actually <laughs> bi groups. And, like, you know, the governor of Oregon, Kate Brown, is also bi. But in, in general, like even in New York, they're not like any buy spaces really. So mm-hmm. going online and doing that, uh, getting off topic. Sorry, what was the actual thing I was? Trying to say here? Well, I mean, I think you answered it because it was yeah. that whole concept of why write about this topic. Oh yes, yes, yes. I yes. feel like you really hit the nail on the head because awesome. no one else is. Almost is kind of the short answer. Oh, oh, but this is sorry. Yes, this is what I was gonna say was how like. So yeah, no one, I, I didn't think bisexual identity exists. And I was with right. guys for like five years when my brother was like, you know, people experiment in college. You know, I, I have a lot of friends who did all this stuff. Um, you don't experiment for five years. You know, right. that's the stable part of your identity. You do it a few mm-hmm. times. Like you know, there's something more going on here. And I remember when I saw a therapist in Boston, I'd moved there for work after graduating college. And in my second session, I go on this whole rant how I'm confused. I think I'm gay. I think I'm straight. I, I, I watch gay porn, but then I love my girl, all this stuff. And he interrupts me. And the therapist goes, it, it just sounds like you're, you're bisexual. Like, well, why do you keep saying you're confused? This seems very clear. And I go, that doesn't, does that, re- oh, I ask him, does that really exist in men? And his response was, Zach, you're too smart to think that, which I thought was such <laughs> an interesting response. And I, I just spoke to, you know, this, no one was talking about it. I started writing about it. I get emails every single day and I have for years from people being like, thank you so much. I was so confused. I felt so alone. You really helped me come through these things. Like I've realized that my, my story is not actually unique, which is, Mm -hmm. uh, and if it's not unique, but it's not being spoken about, that speaks to the fact you know, uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of other guys and women are going through the same thing. Um, And I realized writing and sharing my story yeah i i wanted to add um you know i think zach you're you have been at least how you how i became aware of you because you have been known as the bi guy which is so interesting especially in thinking about we're just coming off um by visibility day recently and 
you know, it's, and there was this conversation that was going on about, you know, bisexuality and pansexuality um, and sexual fluidity and sort of like the differences between those, how people see them differently, how people see them as the same. And I was just thinking that this is, that is such a recent conversation because of the visibility of bi people, because of the visibility of people who identify as pan and gender fluid. And yeah. I, I guess what I'm wondering is for you, like as you've been you know, crafting out this space and writing about these things, and there's been more openness in these areas over the past few years, what has it been like sort of treading those waters between like, oh, people commenting about the differences between those identities and, and that sort of thing? Um, you mean specifically within the LGBTQ community or coming yeah. from? Yeah, I think um, so, within. So uh, this is something I'm actually struggling with personally. So I, I really mm-hmm. wrote this tweet on um, Bisexuality Visibility Day. And just literally just being like, hi, happy by visibility day. Reminder that bisexuality is inclusive of all genders. You don't need to be equally attracted to men and women to label yourself as bi. Mm-hmm. Uh, your bisexuality isn't, you know, less valid because you're in a monogamous relationship. Right. And the tweet got almost 10,000 uh, likes and a bunch of reshares, you know, over 3,000 uh, retweets. And the comments quickly mm-hmm. uh, digressed. Yeah in the queer community uh, about this kind of pan-bi debate, right. which I think is the worst use of effort, uh, yeah. the worst use of infighting within you know, the LGBTQ community, and honestly it drives me crazy and I don't have an answer, but people are like, oh, bisexuality isn't inclusive of all genders. Um, I've even had people tell me that being bisexual is transphobic because it implies that you're exclusively attracted um to cis people to, to cis people mm. and i'm like well that is that is rude to trans people because if you're a trans man or a trans woman you're a man you're a woman right. like period so like you know it's but also just like to say that like and not to say the thing where it's like well i've dated trans it's like yes i have dated and loved and sleep with trans people and gender non-conforming people and for you mm. to tell me that my identity is somehow transphobic it, it is mind-blowing yeah and, it, it, there's so much effort. I've been told it, but this would this tweet was pan erasure. I was like, what? really? Like, yes. Like, yeah. I. That's it. I'm not. I want to make it clear. I'm not. You can label yourself as pan. Absolutely. Attracted right. all genders, and I can label myself as pan too. There's a re- the reason why I use the word bisexual is because there's this long, rich history right. to that word. It's a more common word when you're looking and doing research and studies. Um, what ends up happening is if you label yourself as pansexual, polysexual, and bisexual, these other things, you don't quite get included in the study and therefore mm-hmm. you, don't, you, you don't get counted. Right. So I think there is one word that exists and you know, you could be a bi person, I guess that's attracted exclusively to cis people. Mm-hmm. But what I often hear is like, like that is so not the most, like really the vast majority of bi people are attracted to all genders. Yeah. It, it really is that, but this is the label is the term we use. And often, you know, I cite kind of Robin Oaks, who's like the uh, mother of modern bisexuality. Mm-hmm. And one thing she makes, well, one thing that she describes bisexuality as is, you know, the bi stands for genders that are your own and genders that aren't your own. Mm-hmm. That's not what that too is. Right. Bi must be cis straight. I'm like, no, like, honestly, this word came out before we had a better understanding of gender identity. We didn't right. have more or we weren't using words in popularity in mainstream culture like gender queer, gender non-conforming. Right. You know, 
40 years ago, 50 years ago, when I, you know, when bisexuality was coming more mainstream or just started. Right. But like, but when people, it, it just, it got so nasty and so rude, these comments and these tweets on this. And I was like, the, like what? This is your takeaway? We, we are all in the same community. We're all attracted to more than one gender. And frankly, I, I don't know how to respond to this. And my response is, you know, identify yourself as however you want. If you prefer the pan label, if you feel like that's more inclusive, do it. But then don't come for me for identifying as bi. And like, we are right. all on we're experiencing just double discrimination from the gay community from the straight community and instead you're putting your power in to to literally fight the people over what really is semantics at this yeah. point and you know i'm getting a little riled up talking about it just because i'm now actually looking through these comments yeah which i, I try not to do on any anything ever as a writer as you know, right. dangerous territory um but it's like, God, like what was so clearly an empowering and happy message. It's bad that we become our own worst enemies in this and we are doing this infighting and we're taking each other down. And I, and I find that really disheartening. And I've, I, you know, I've addressed this in so many pieces. I wrote a whole feature on, you know, the difference between bi and pansexuality for Rolling Stone. I've done it also. I've written similar pieces, you know, for prevention, for men's health, for all these mm-hmm. pieces. Um, and at the end of the day, identify however you want, but God, yeah. like with so much hatred for people within your community over something, for something, yeah, it's just a word. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I really yeah. don't know. It's something I struggle with and I don't know how to answer. I don't know how to respond to these people. Yeah, well, I, I think that your, I think your response, uh, what you just said is actually very important because, you know, I brought it up because, you know, it did recently come up online and, I was seeing all these conversations and, and having a similar reaction to you. And, and I think at the end of the day, people need to be reminded, whether you're part of the umbrella queer community or not, that someone, how someone chooses to identify is up to them. It's not up to you to define what that means for them or what it doesn't mean or what they're attempting to say or not to say. That's an opportunity for a question, if anything. Definitely not for an assumption. So, it, yeah. I often say, like, in certain circles, I'm like, yeah, I'm bi, I'm attracted to all genders. Right. So that kind of just makes it clear, kind of with that little qualifier. Um, yeah, it opens up the conversation, you know, uh, words aren't perfect, especially these right. words that are new and are emerging, and that's why there is a lot of confusion with the LGBTQ community as to what some of these words mean, because it defines, you know, people define it differently, you know, especially mm-hmm. like, the word queer is such a great yeah. example. A lot of people are like, what does this mean? And for me, you know, for different people, it means kind of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, th- That's how language works. It's incredible. Right. And, right. you know, you, you use it to the best of your ability and you try to describe your experiences with it. But if you're confused, then you can ask a question. And that's mm-hmm. it. You know, it doesn't have to be this whole uh, to do. Yeah. I think you bring up a really good point when you say that. You can ask a question. And I think it goes back to that idea of what you originally talked about is that anything involving this topic is very taboo. It's very under the shadows. It's not something that you're supposed to talk about. And I think that while the people who comment on Twitter may not fall into this category, I like to think that a lot of people are well-intended but don't necessarily know how to ask or how to get the information. And because it's such a taboo subject, they don't want to ask the question and therefore they never get the information and then end up, you know, whether it's intentional or not, 
making these comments or acting in a way that is actually really harmful to the population. So what would you say to somebody who is looking to educate themselves? They hear about all of this sex positivity, gender nonconforming, all of these terms. Where would you advise people who are like, I want to know so I don't come off as ignorant and I don't offend somebody? So, so for me, and people definitely disagree with me on this, um, I think intent goes a long way when asking people, and there's this, uh, especially a large um, group of people in minorities, whether it's sexual minorities, racial minorities, gender minorities, who are like, you know, it's not my responsibility to educate you. Mm. And I understand that argument. I agree with that. But I feel like when someone is coming to me being like, hey, I really don't know, and I'm trying my best to learn, um, and I know it's not your responsibility to teach me, but be helpful. I feel very comfortable and I'm okay teaching people in that situation. Other mm -hmm. people agree with me and be like, no, you need to figure this out on your own. It should be my responsibility as a minority person to then teach you. Um, so I don't have that strongly held of a belief. I think intent goes a long way. If you're just like, Hey, you know, I, I really try my best to learn and I am uh, still struggling with this. Can you, can you help explain what this means to you? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. And while maybe some people might be upset that you're asking them, at least me personally, that wouldn't upset me. Also, it's just like Google exists. Like, <laughs> we all know how to use it. And it is, what is pine sexuality? Why not Google it? Why not read, you know, not just one article, but maybe the first three or four articles that come up so you have a better understanding and realizing that it's nuanced. It's like, it's never been easier to get information. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that so that like how do you want to know? Google it? It's twenty nineteen. You know what I mean? Like read a few articles and figure it out. Um, yeah. I think it's easy. Yeah, it's so easy now. So I think you know asking people the correct way. You know, not coming in hard or not. You know, well, I don't think blah blah blah, and forcing right. them to defend themselves. No, obviously don't do that. But you know, coming in positively with an intent, being like, yeah, I'm a little confused by this, and then also googling it. Right. Yeah. So, so what you're saying, Zach, is that everyone should send their questions to you. To me, personally, directly. <laughs> yep. Uh, tweet, tweet yeah. Zach, all you want. <laughs> Kill me. Um, yeah, as I say that now, it's just like, you know, in certain times, I can't. You know, I get a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people seeking help with their bisexuality and coming out. And yeah. I ask, okay, I, I am not a therapist. Um, B, I do work 60 hours a week. Uh, and I just, I can't get on the phone every time someone wants to help. And Sometimes, you know, I usually try to at least, I've now kind of, I know this is kind of douchey or terrible, but I do have a set email that I had being like, hey, here's a few resources that I think would be super helpful depending on if you're struggling being poly, just struggling being bi, mm -hmm. coming out to your family. Uh, hopefully this is really helpful. Thank you so much for reaching out. And yeah. I don't mean to seem disingenuous. I, 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 I just, it, it's a lot and I yeah. help, help however I can, but I can't do you know one-on-one -on -one conversation with everyone which is what i used to do when i did have i and i really do want to help i just don't have that time anymore yeah well and that's why those other resources exist you know exactly. like there are so many options um you know i think obviously people if they're really struggling and and have and they want to have this like personalized safe space to like really explore and ask questions also, you can obviously work with a therapist and say, like, listen, I've been thinking about this a lot. I need, I need to figure some stuff out. I need to learn some more. Um, how can you help? Um, um, and that said, Lighthouse, I have to see if it's New York-based. Hold on, I'm going to Google it. Yeah, it is. Most is it New York-based? Yeah. Uh, okay, well, if you're in New York, it's a very great 
thing to find um, LGBTQ therapists, but also yeah. on, um, or friendly therapists, also on, I believe it's Psychology Today, one of the mm-hmm. big ones you can actually filter um, by, you know, therapists that are LGBTQ friendly. Yep, you sure um, can. Which also kind of leads into the campaign I'm working on. If we, if we I was just there. thinking that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go like, for it. <laughs> it's almost like you're a writer or something and you know how to do this. It's, it's so amazing how I snuck that in there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so okay, so I'm working on this campaign. It's called hashtag we need a button. And the idea is kind of actually doing exactly what psychology today does, but it's creating um, a a button or filter really on these major patient uh, patient matching sites. So, you know, think ZocDoc or Yelp to let mm-hmm. you know your um, provider is actually not just queer friendly, but also up to date on issues like PrEP, PEP, anal pap smears, hormone replacement therapy, mm-hmm. and other specific health needs required to properly treat LGBTQ folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we were doing initially, kind of in the first phase of this campaign, was we were using the hashtag "We Need a Button," and we we're having everyone um, post pictures of of their butts. Belfies uh, is what they call <laughs> belfies. That butt selfies. That was not my word. I'm just letting you know. However, I have to see that. And people were doing that, being like, "Yeah, we we want a button," and it was kind of this cheeky way, no pun intended, mm. uh, where instead of having people sign. Uh, a what do you call it? Sign a, a petition. Thing. A petition. Thank you. Yeah, my brain is mush right now. And you know, instead of this was a fun way to get people really active on it on social media. And then you know, so I've been doing a lot of you know press for this. I was talking about it actually on Dan Savage's Savage Love podcast, and we wrote mm-hmm. articles about it. You know, for Pride.com, HIV Plus Mag, Men's Health Prevention. There's a piece coming out in Cosmo and Print about it. Um, and what I've learned in doing this campaign is um, it's not just me that had a negative experience in healthcare due to my queer identity. It's every queer person pretty yeah. much ever. It's the vast majority. You know what I mean? Yeah. I believe 90 to 99% of people. And, you know, it can come in the smaller forms of maybe, you know, ignorance or microaggressions. And then it can come in more larger forms, just blatant discrimination. You know, one yeah. of my best friends, uh, she, after, you know, going through gender affirmation surgery, one of the nurses, like, refused to call her by then her proper pronouns. Wow. Which, like, you just, like, worked on this surgery and still you're invalidating this person's identity. You know, like, something like that, yeah. which is really clear discrimination. Right. And the reason this, kind of, this campaign came up was, you know, I am was writing for the this website called Waxo, which is an online sex-positive magazine, speaking of sex and and I was writing about this piece and it was about how you know as a queer person I think I need to have a queer doctor and I've since changed my position I think I just need to have a queer friendly doctor mm-hmm. oftentimes that's if they themselves are queer mm-hmm. and I just want to make sure they're confident on, on issues like prep but I wrote this piece about how since moving to New York it took me forever to get health care insurance because I was a freelance writer um, and I was paying a fortune like five hundred dollars mm-hmm. Like the worst the insurance you can imagine. Because signing this doctor, I get in there, um, and the doctor has no idea what prep even is. And for people who don't know, it's pre-exposure prophylaxis, and it's a pill you take daily that pretty much decreases your likelihood of acquiring HIV by close to a hundred percent. 
Um, and when I was getting there, I was taking a bus and there were ads for prep on the bus. New York has <laughs> and this was in 2017. Prep, yeah. I think, around, used as a, um, or Truvada the drug, which is always mm-hmm. been, uh, you know, a drug for um, an antiretroviral that uh, people who are HIV positive take. Yeah. But it was repurposed, you know, as this preventative right. uh, drug. I believe it was 2012 or 2013. You, you could start using it, but I'm not exactly sure. But around that time period. But anyway, so it's been out for five years. The doctor had no idea what it was. When I explained what it does, he goes, well, why do you need that? I said, you know, I'm bisexual. I sleep with men and women. And his response was, well, if you're bi, just sleep with women and you wouldn't need this. Stop. Uh, and I was like, awesome. what? A, like, A, not, that's not how bisexuality works. B, like, right. that is not how HIV works. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that, that is not, like, that's a very bad thing. Just not only was that <laughs> bad as, like, a, a healthcare professional in terms of HIV, but also bad for queer identity. I was like, what? Right. You used to prescribe it to me. He's like, I don't think you need this. Just sleep with women. And I was like, oh, okay. fuck. Um, wow. And then a few months later, I ended up finding a queer-friendly doctor, but the only way I was able to do it was uh, through Facebook. And mm-hmm. I luckily had some friends who lived in New York still at this point, but I just moved here, you know? But I was like, hey, I'm looking for a queer-friendly doctor. This is my insurance. And I was able to get it through that. And I realized, I'm like, what if you... Do, you know, don't live in New York. What if you are closeted uh, and actually need probably more information than I do as someone who mm-hmm. is out and open? I, you know, openly talk about this, read about this. Once you're closeted, let's say you live in the Bumble, fuck Idaho, whatever it is. Uh, you, official uh, Idaho town. Yeah, official. Sorry, and no shame to <laughs> Idaho. No shade to Idaho. I don't know anything about yeah, Idaho. I know nothing bad, but I just mean if you're, if you're from a small town, you are closeted, you really don't have resources, you know, and it's a It'd be very scary going into a doctor and talking about this. Um, how do you know which doctor is going to treat you well? How do you know if they're yeah. going to be knowledgeable about this? And that's why I think this this filter really is so important. And you know, it's how I was able to see a therapist um, that was queer friendly in Boston because I was able to do that on again. I think it's Psychology Today, mm-hmm. and we're just asking. Yeah, we're we're putting this pressure on patient matching sites to be like, hey, this this is an epidemic. There's a very simple fix to this. Um, oh, excuse me, sorry. Um, but yeah, so that's what the campaign is about. And we've kind of been, so the first stage was doing this um, hashtag, posting the bell fees. And then we actually were starting to get some partners from places like the Fluid Project in New York and the brand Tomboy and also like bisexual.org. We'll post about it a bunch. Um, and kind of the last thing we're doing as we're actually now talking to these patient matching sites, we're actually, you know, I'm working on it with them, so I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm cautiously optimistic that there will be a change in the future, although I'm 100% not supposed to say that, but I, I, I think that might be happening, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. that was the plan. But kind of the, the, the that last stage that we're working on is now just making it clear that this is an epidemic. This is not something um, that just happened to a few people. So we just started, you know, in addition to hashtag we need a button, we're doing hashtag unfair care. And I actually really like that hashtag. Um, and so we're having people starting to share their negative health experiences uh, in a healthcare setting because they're queer identity mm-hmm. um, and using that hashtag. And so we just tried that last week and we're starting to get some people who are doing it, which is amazing. And I really encourage you to do it. And through doing this, you realize that, oh shit, um, I am not alone. Mm-hmm. And this is an epidemic. This is something that's happening to most queer people in the United States. And I don't even want to think how bad it is, you know, in yeah. certain 
characters, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where we are with it now. And it's been good. You know, we started this um, in June, you know, coincide with Pride. I told you, yeah, so it's working specifically with Waxo, which is this online sex positive magazine. And Waxo is associated with the dating site and app, um, Dating Positives, mm-hmm. which is um, uh yeah, a dating site specifically for people with positive STI diagnoses uh, mm-hmm. and ones that are lifelong, so not necessarily gonorrhea or syphilis or chlamydia. I get gonorrhea all the fucking time. But uh, <laughs> side note, but so people, you know, with HSV2, mm-hmm. like HIV, and it's a way to meet other people in the setting so you know, you know, there's so much discrimination, especially against people who are HIV and people are terrified to date them. Um, so it is often, you know, a lot easier to date people who are also HIV positive. So that's what that site uh, works towards. So I've been working. Th- those are the two that came to me, the ones that launched it. So it was Waxo and Dating Positives. Right. Uh, I realized I kind of did a whole uh, roundabout way of kind of explaining what that was, but I think I think we got there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think the theme of your work seems to be just giving a voice to people who don't necessarily have one or haven't had one in the past. I am not a member of the LGBTQ community, but my experience. I'm sorry, that sucks. No, I um, so, but you know, you do what you gotta do. Um, but my experience with healthcare has been atrocious at times, and so I can only imagine adding another minority status to that experience can only make it uh, more mm-hmm. atrocious. I was about to say atrociouser, which you know, like both work. Yeah, right. I was like, let's coin that word for the healthcare system. <laughs> you are a minority trying to access good care right. that story you told will just stay with me forever of just sleep with women oh all right well why don't like if he if that man was straight why doesn't he just sleep with men like i don't that's not how that works right and yeah just the idea of being able to know right off the bat when you're already struggling and already in a obviously vulnerable place if you're looking for a medical provider to know right off the bat that like, hey, this is a safe person to at least start trying to build a relationship with. Yeah. It's, I mean, healthcare, it's such a triggering experience for so many people. You go, yeah. so vulnerable. Yeah. Even me being a white man and with so many privileges and that someone who worked at General Hospital, which is always, you know, the number one, number two best hospital in the US for like years. Um, and, and still, I hate going to doctors. I feel uncomfortable. I'm left not asking the questions I went in wanting to ask. You feel very rushed. You feel very yeah. dis- And it's like, it is such a tough setting in general, um, regardless of, you know, being a sexual minority or, you know, if you're a person of a racial minority, it, it's just like, fuck, the, the hospitals are hard and the doctors are so stressed because they're moving so quickly too, which is another issue with the healthcare setting that we don't have to get into, but just like, fuck, imagine just going in and being like, hey, I can breathe. I know this person knows my identity. I know he's okay to it. I can openly talk about this. And I bet you the moment you start talking about this to a queer-friendly doctor, I bet you that they'll slow down a little bit too, because they know mm-hmm. that you yeah, um, that. Sure. I'm hoping that, you know, doctors would do this, but yeah. At the very least, I feel like it'll make it easier, right? If, exactly. you know, getting, mm-hmm. going to the doctor, getting medical treatment is at a level three in terms of pleasantness, even if it takes it to a five at the very least, it's yeah. better than it was That's before. a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Like those, I think every notch along the way really helps exponentially. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, we wish you the best of luck on that amazing campaign. And I know I'm right before we recorded, I started a Google search of like Googling everything you've ever written. So I'm very excited to read this stuff. Oh, enjoy that rabbit hole. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually was a little, I don't know why I was surprised, but I was Googled and I was like, oh, he's written a lot. Cool. This is going to take a while. <laughs> but we will link to some of your work in the show notes as well as where uh, people can continue to find you in the campaign. Amazing. And thank you for joining us and for educating the masses on just how important it is to as you said, allow people to identify as they want to identify. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. This is a really fun conversation. Yeah, definitely. So thank you to everyone else for joining us. Thank you for listening. Um, go and support Zach's campaign and his work. And, you know, like he said, any question you have, email him. <laughs> you know, within reason, Google. Uh, yeah, I'll help how I can for sure. I can, at least, I can at least provide some resources for sure. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to keep up with us on social media, you can find us at Viva Wellness NYC on Instagram and Twitter. And I am at Rachel Gersten on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm at Jarell Carabello on Instagram and Twitter. And Zach, where are you? Where can people find you? Uh, Instagram and Twitter is always a good way. Zachary Zane underscore some guy has Zachary Zane kills me. Um, <laughs> is my hashtag in Twitter. Um, sorry, is my Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and then also if you go to my website, ZacharyZane.com, that also has a lot of my features, what I do, what I write about, and you can contact me through that as well. But, uh, Twitter and Instagram are always, you know, a, a great way to see what I'm working on and to contact me. Awesome. Amazing. And if Zachary Zane not underscore is listening, please give this Zachary Zane his. <laughs> give it up. <laughs> Thank you awesome. again for joining us. And we hope that you will join us again for the next episode in two weeks. Bye. Bye.